You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, author of Working Like Dogs, and my co-host, my service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working animals and working dogs. And we're really excited today because we have a special guest, and our guest is Dr. T. Mert Byrne, and we love him as Dr. Mert, and he is actually Whistle's vet. And Dr. Mert began his education at the University of New Mexico. He is the owner of the El Dorado Animal Clinic, which is right here just south of Santa Fe, New Mexico. And he has a wonderful, gosh, a whole host of experience and and love for animals that we're really excited to have him on the show with us today to talk about his experiences in his clinic. And we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but we've got so much to talk to Mert about today that we don't want to waste a second. So please listen to these important messages and come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do, and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore, every week on demand. This is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. 
We're so glad you could join us today, and we want to welcome our special guest, Dr. Mert Byrne. Welcome, Mert. Thank you. Great to be here with you, Marcy. Well, we're just so thrilled that you could be with us today because you've done so much for Whistle and my retired service dog, Morgan, that we're so thrilled for you to talk to us today about some of the things that you think people with service dogs and other working dogs really need to be aware of and need to be watching for in their dogs. Because as you know, Mert, when I got my first service dog, I didn't know anything about dogs and the kinds of things that I should be looking for. So let's jump right in and start talking about that. What are some of the most common things that you see in dogs, especially working dogs, that their persons should be looking for? Well, and again, it's always great to, your dogs, Whistle and Morgan, have always been uh, inspirations to me, as have, have you, so I'm, uh, it's great fun to just to be with you and, and, uh, and to help you with your dogs. A lot of the problems I think that we see in, in working dogs are problems that we see commonly in dogs everywhere in, in, in veterinary medicine. Uh, vomiting and diarrhea are always big things. Lameness issues. Uh, I, I'm always uh, probably the biggest thing I, I see that I that I don't feel like we address properly is obesity. So all those things I'd be happy to start talking about. Vomiting and diarrhea is, and that you know I, I tell people that's pretty much what I do for a living as I treat vomiting and diarrhea. That is by <laughs> far the most common thing that that comes in the door, and that happens to dogs because dogs eat everything. And uh, we talk about dogs having a cast iron stomach, but in my opinion, that's really not true. I, I think dogs have very effective ways for getting rid of things that shouldn't be there, and that is by eliminating them from the GI tract, either through vomiting or through diarrhea. I think in humans, a lot of times, if you've got acute vomiting or diarrhea, you're, you're pretty sick and not feeling good. And the dog that's maybe not as true, quite often they're just getting rid of problems like we've talked about and that they ate something that they shouldn't have. There's a new bacteria in there. There's possibly endotoxins being formed and inflammation in the GI tract, and the GI tract then tries to get rid of the problem, and almost always does, usually on your carpet. It is, one again, the, the, maybe the, the primary reason that we have dogs and, and cats, too, coming into our, our front doors is for, for that specific reason. How do you know, Mert, when your dog is vomiting, when it is time to call the vet and to get them into your office? That's a great question, and, and, and that happens a, a lot. People ask me that. But for, for the first question I will ask somebody if I'm on the phone with them and their dog is, is going through these, these acute, what we call gastroenteritis issues, is how's the dog feeling? Is the dog sick? If the dog's still wagging its tail and pretty happy, then, then I'm, I'm pretty comfortable about treating this at home. And I will tell people probably the, the most important thing for me to do and for you to do is not to feed your dog. Most dogs will not eat anyway. They, they realize that there's an issue and they stop eating. The three symptoms that I talk about with dogs who are having gastroviruses is, is vomiting, diarrhea, and anorexia. And anorexia, not eating, may be the most important of all of those. So typically, again, if, it, if the dog's feeling okay, I will tell people just to not feed for 24 hours. Sometimes I'll even go longer. In puppies, maybe that's a little bit uh, risky, and, I, and if, if it's a puppy situation, I usually will maybe stop feeding them for 12 hours or so. Puppies uh, vomit a lot, so <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually just being a puppy. Right. Well, and can you give them things? Are there things around the house that we can give our dogs to calm down and help settle that vomiting or diarrhea? Any of the over-the-counter things? Are those acceptable? 
I, I think some of them are. I'll talk about some of them. I think it's important for me to first say, though, every drug is a poison. And everything you put into your dog is going to have a reaction. So I, I, I usually caution people to talk to their vet first before they do any of these, these things. But I'm fairly comfortable with Pepto-Bismol, and I use a lot of Pepto-Bismol. And I think that uh, although it can, you know, I can usually tell when a dog's, and, and sometimes the owner too, it comes in covered in pink that they've taken my advice and, and started that uh, protocol. Because uh, it can be kind of messy. Dogs can shake their heads. I kind of like the pills these days, and quite often I will have people give a Pepto-Bismol tablet or a half a tablet, depending on the size of the dog. Again, dosages of this one is pretty safe. You can you can go, typically I'll tell people to do, for a 50-pound dog, do a half of the adult dose, and that's typically pretty safe. And I'll do that four to six times a day. And again, I think that that's okay. It's always best to call your veterinarian and get his or her opinion on these protocols. But I think Pepto-Bismol, as far as things that you can do at home, is a pretty safe thing. Okay, that's good to know because I know I've had a lot of our listeners ask me, are there any home remedies? What can I do at home until I could get to my vet to try and get my dog as comfortable as possible? Right, and I think Pepto-Bismol does decrease some of the, the activity in the stomach. It does, as the advertisement says, it coats and protects and absorbs some toxins and hopefully some endotoxins too and make pets feel much better. And what about, Mert, if you have... Say, for example, I know one time my service dog um, stepped on a piece of glass and they cut their paw. How do you know when they need to go into the vet? What should I do at home if something like that happens? Well, you know, I, I think for bleeding, the most important thing always to do is to get the bleeding stopped, obviously. And, and the, the best and safest way to do that is just to put some steady pressure and uh, so if the bleeding, it's unlikely that you get to an artery in, in these kinds of lacerations that we see in the, on the, the leg and the foot of the dog. But the veins can, as you know, bleed extensively, and it's, and it's difficult. If you can get down and reach to this situation and, and put some pressure, or most of these dogs, if, if it's a foreland, have them sit comfortably and, and put their pad or your, their foot in your lap. Uh, take some paper towels over the laceration and just put some steady pressure on there. And I tell people not to take that pad off. Don't even look at it. And if the bleeding is, if it's soaking through, add some more tissue until, and, and continue the pressure. And I usually tell people to, to plan on sitting for, if you can get your dog to do this. Most service dogs are very, very good at this because they're so well-trained. that They'll just let you hold that paw comfortably. And you're not squeezing hard, just putting steady pressure for probably five minutes. And then five minutes, and I'll take some pressure off and see if we've got it stopped. If it's still going in five minutes, I'll go another five minutes. If you're getting to the point where you're 10 minutes and it's still bleeding, it's time to call your vet. But most okay. of these are going to stop with just a little bit of pressure. And okay. sometimes too, Marcy, I think it's, it's important for us to all try to take a deep breath and relax in these situations because blood can be a very, very kind of a startling situation. But uh, dogs can, can lose a fair amount of blood and be just fine. So take a deep breath, put some pressure on there, and just sit tight for five minutes. Well, I think that's great advice because you know that I tend to be really overprotective of Whistle and all my service dogs because I feel so responsible for this amazing, trained, 
you know, in perfect condition animal, and I feel so responsible for maintaining that, that it really is scary whenever they start showing something like the vomiting or diarrhea or, or bleeding, anything like that, that seems so unnatural and so uncomfortable that, you know, I'm on the phone to your office right away, and you guys are so awesome at, at helping me triage, you know, of, of what to right. do. Right. Yeah. And you know, and, and certainly, I think veterinarians too. We, you know, we we realize the importance in your life of this dog, and all dogs are important, and all pets are do great things for their owners. Just being there is so special. But I think the working dogs are kind of a level above that. They truly are working, and and it's a little bit more uh, uh, pressure on us too to get these guys back to working. So that's all very important. Yeah, well, I know you guys are so sensitive to that and always try to get them back to me really quickly and not keep them and observe them overnight and things like that, which is so important. And so many vets don't realize that exactly what you just said, that a working dog, they have a role and responsibilities. And whenever Whistle is out of commission, it puts me out of commission a lot. Yeah, which is really, it is very different. And another thing you mentioned a little bit earlier was lameness. Do you uh-huh. want to t- talk about that? And that's a, uh, certainly in, in my practice. I see mostly large dogs. I live in kind of a rural area where, where houses are well spaced, and people have, tend to have large athletic dogs. Same kinds of dogs that, that are involved mostly with the working situations. And, and uh, the most common lameness that we see, unfortunately, is some um, pretty severe uh, uh, ligament ruptures, and, and mostly the cruciate rupture in the knee of the dog, or the stifle, as we call it, of the dog. And that's a rupture that, that requires surgery uh, eventually and, and certainly leads to significant arthritis. In my opinion, dogs 40 pounds or over are going to get arthritis at some point in their life. And that's just an unfortunate fact of, of working joints hard. And, and again, uh, if, if I forget to keep harping on obesity, I'll, I'll uh, remind me because I think that that is a major player. And, and I think we as veterinarians quite often go to the, the medications and the non-steroidals and the pain drugs when it would be maybe smarter for us just to try to get 20 pounds off of some of these dogs. So that's always an important part of it. I think you know, the fractures and those kinds of things, if your dog has a very serious bone injury like that, first off, they, they do not put weight on that typically. They're lame completely in holding that leg up. Um, most dogs with, with almost every other kind of sprain or strain will at least put some weight on it, but quite often with an obvious limp. I think the most important thing to do, again, when people call me on this, is I say, well, if everything's going okay and your dog's alert and happy and just a little bit lame, let's just rest this for a couple of days. And, and you know, rest can be that's something you may not be able to do. But typically, when I'm talking about resting a dog, I'm just talking about them not running and jumping and chasing rabbits and having fun. So typically, I tell my owners, just no fun for a couple of days. And again, you're in, in the working situation. These guys still have a, have a job to do. And I think a mild lameness is, is probably something we're going to have to, to live with in, in the situations where they have to get out and do their job. If it rest them as much as you can, and if it goes away in a day or two, we're fine. And if not, then it's time to call your doctor. Right. Okay. All right. Well, all of that is, is great tips. And I think that you know, for me, I'm always trying to look and see what's going on with my dog. And, you know, because we spend so much time with them, 24 hours a day, it's easier to monitor and see if they're not eating or if they're not, you know, if they're limping or doing something that, that sure. just doesn't seem right. Right. You know, and that's 
and I say this a lot, that I, I'm pretty well trained in medicine, but I really, really, really depend on my clients to tell me what's going on. Because getting a history is, is by far the most important thing for us. And that's, for me, examining a dog in 10 minutes in an exam room, uh, I can get so much more history just from an, an observant owner. And uh, certainly the owners of working dogs are very observant and very, very tight into their dogs. And the information they give me is invaluable. Right. And I know most agencies require that you get your working dog a good wellness check at least once a year because I know you complete that paperwork for me every year for Whistle just sure. to tell my agency. And it, and it goes over a lot of the things that you mentioned, which is his weight um, you know, and his overall wellness, which we are going to have to take just a quick break. But when we come back, we want to continue this conversation. And I want to talk to you Mert, about wellness checks and about doing those annually so please come back and join us after these quick messages from our sponsors and we'll continue talking with dr mert byrne we'll be right back right after these messages stay tuned give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Pets can be a wonderful addition to your life because they're a member of the family. Keeping them healthy and happy is important. Pet Life Radio presents The Pet Doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian Dr. Bernadine Cruz. Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor, on demand every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're talking today with mine and Whistle's favorite vet, Dr. Mert Byrne, who is Whistle's veterinarian. And we've been talking about all kinds of great things, and Mert's been providing some great information for us on how to really maintain the health of our working dogs. And we want to talk a little bit now about the overall wellness and screenings and wellness checks. Before the break, we were starting to talk about how a lot of service animals are required to get annual checkups at the very minimum. So, Mert, what would you recommend as a good wellness check? Well, and again, wellness checks are are really, really important. And and I I think as, as a veterinarian profession, we used to we, we gave vaccines every year, and people would always come in every year to get that vaccine. It's not that common that we give yearly vaccines now, depending on, on the area you live and the philosophy of your, your veterinarian. But certainly most states now are doing rabies every third year instead of every year, and we had that now in New Mexico also. So it, it is sometimes difficult to, to convince people that I, I would really need to see your dog once a year. Dogs age much quicker than humans, obviously, and and uh, I, I think the, the term seven years to a, to a human year is yes, maybe that's close, but I mean, it could be a bad thing for you not to see your doctor in seven years. So we encourage dogs to come in once a year, certainly from the ages of, from puppyhood till they're seven, we like to see them yearly. After seven, we get into discussing of these more geriatric issues, and sometimes I'll, I'll ask to see those dogs twice a year, and I think that's a great thing because things are changing rapidly after seven. And the advantages of a wellness exam, and again, we can, we can make sure that your vaccination status is, is current, depending, again, on the philosophies and, and requirements of, of your doctor and your state. But, the, but following weight and, and teeth and eyes and, and coat, all those kinds of things that can, that can change very, very quickly, and the advantages of us knowing things ahead of time really allows us to prevent a lot of, of, of the serious problems that can occur. Blood work is, is essential for us. Cause that's, we don't get a whole lot of information a lot of times um, that the, our human component doctors often do. So we really rely on, on the information we get from a blood screen. So at seven years or so, I'm requesting a, a full blood panel and we want to look at the kidney function and liver function, and then we can monitor those. And I, I expect that to come back normal. I certainly hope it does. But normal blood work is, is really good information, too, as much as when we find something abnormal, that's, that's important. But knowing what is normal is, is certainly the place to start. So blood work's important. And again, seeing your vet at least once a year, we, we think, is, is essential for, for all dogs and, and critical for older dogs. Yeah, I, I really have to say that I like to bring Whistle in every six months because, like you said, things change so quickly because they age at such a more rapid rate than we do that I really have always felt like at least every six months because I start noticing things changing. Sure. Yeah. yeah and I, I like to see Whistle as much as possible because he's a great guy. <laughs> well, and Morgan is the one who really, you know, I've had so many health issues with him, but not That's until right. he, he got older, which was interesting. And again, it was so nice having all that baseline information to know when things were changing and when I really needed to start paying attention. That's right. And, and Morgan certainly did go through some aging things that, that startled even me as, as uh, certainly with his skin and such that, that was difficult. And uh, 
again, you know, old age is, is tough. I'm learning that every day. It's, it's not as much uh, uh, fun as being young. And a lot no, it's of not. <laughs> a lot of changes occurring. And again, dogs change so quickly. The difference between seven and, and eight years in a dog, that's, that's critical stuff. And, and your vet should see your dog once a year. Yeah. At least. Well, and I think another big topic that you touched on was obesity. And I know that that's another thing that my agency, Pause with the Cause, they really caution me about that and tell me I have to weigh whistle regularly and I have to make sure that he's not gaining weight because, as you know, that can impact his ability to safely do the types of very physical things that I need him to do for me. That's so, right. And it impacts everything, Marcy. And I think that, that there's probably the single most factor I can look at and see dogs who, who will live to a long time, you tend not to see old, fat dogs. That just doesn't happen. Obesity is a direct correlation with, with uh, how long you'll live, and it's a couple of very, very neat studies that have been done recently, lifetime studies, as these are called, when dogs are followed from puppyhood till they die. And uh, uh, Purina did one on, on obesity that was just staggering. The dogs who were who were fed the lean diet, and, and they weren't skinny, they were lean, and that's, that's a catch for me. Those dogs lived an average of two years longer than their counterparts. Two years, that's a phenomenal amount of time in a dog's life. Wow. So just by keeping your dog lean, you can really add good, valuable, quality time to their lives. I know, because I love my dogs so much. I want to give them treats. I want to feed them when when I'm eating because, of course, they are interested. And even though they're service animals and they're trained not to do that, of course, they're still dogs. Sure. So that's so hard. I I know it is, you know, and I I have no problem with treats. And I give my dogs a lot of treats. And I, I think it enforces that relationship. And I like treats in a dog. My whole concept that I try to get through to people, though, is calories coming in and calories going out. So if you're giving lots of treats, uh, then either you need to increase the workload, which, again, a lot of the, a lot of the working dogs, that, that's taken care of. So you know the calories going out is, is, a, is a pretty much a given situation. So you just got to monitor the calories coming in. So if you're giving treats, and I tell people this, if you give an extra treat, maybe you need to take a little of their dog food away. Again, that whole concept of calories going in and getting burnt and being uh, properly utilized, uh, and that, that if you can kind of keep that uh, notion in your head, I think that's helpful. Yeah, great points. Well, and another thing that I wanted to ask you about is a lot of service dogs and other working dogs are the larger breed dogs. Exactly. A lot of them are Labrador retrievers and Golden retrievers, and they seem to be very prone to cancer. That's right. What, I, what would you say about that, Mert? What can we do to, to screen and, and to try to be proactive? Yeah, and a lot of this comes back to our, our geriatric dogs and our, and our geriatric exams. And again, twice a year, if we can get, get uh, owners to do that, I think that, that we increase our ability to, to catch some of these problems early. What we like to do with, with our geriatric animals is, is, is a full blood scan at least once a year. And then we discussed chest x-rays and ultrasound. Ultrasound is the ability to use sound waves and uh, having machines that can um, interpret the, the changes in sound waves traveling through different types of tissue. It's fabulous, and we really get some great information. And the dog does not have to be anesthetized, sometimes a little sedation, but, but rarely do we even need that. They just kind of lay back in a trough, and we wave the magic wand over them. It gives us an incredible amount of information and sometimes allows us to, to pick up tumors much, much earlier than we could before. 
radiographs, x-rays are, are an important part of this too, but again, for it, I think you can have some tumors that, that x-rays just won't see very well. Ultrasound, though, has really, really expanded our ability to catch some of these things early. Yeah, well, I know. I've really appreciated that because you ultrasound Morgan regularly as he's gotten older. Because Ramona, my first dog, actually did have a tumor on her heart that was not detected. And so I've been really much more aware of that with Morgan. And that ultrasound has been so great because he didn't have to be sedated and it was so painless for him. He just thought he was getting lots. He was at the spa, basically. That's right. Yeah, we lay him on their back and rub their bellies. They feel fine. That was awesome, yeah, and it gave me a lot of, of peace about it, feeling like I, was, I had some information and I wasn't just, just waiting for something to happen with him, that's so right. that, that I, was great. Yeah, and, I, and again, I think that, that that's part of it. I, even if everything is normal, that is just great information. I, I like normal, and I think that sometimes we don't give that as much credit as it deserves. Normal stuff is, is, is important, and, and knowing, knowing what is normal, when it was normal, and if something changes, that gives us so much information about about the prognosis. That's great. Well, I know another thing that I was always cautioned about for these large, larger breed dogs was the whole fear of bloat. And I had heard about that and, and stomach turning. And, and tell us, what does that mean, Mert? What is bloat? Well, bloat is, is the lay term for something we call gastric dilatation volvulus, GDV. Gastric and stomach dilatation and volvulus re- refer to the fact that the, the stomach twists and actually flips. There's actually two turns. So one flip, one turns over, and then part of the stomach kind of flips over the top of it. Why this happens, we're, we're not really sure. There are things we can talk about that maybe can reduce this, but... There's certainly a ligament that must rupture for this to occur, but it is very common in some breeds. Uh, Great Danes, are, are, I think, lead the list, St. Bernard's. Uh, and In my hand, standard poodles are, are good. And certainly uh, German Shepherds and Golden Retrievers and, 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 and Labs. So a lot of the working dogs are really high in, in, the, in, the, in the list of breeds we will see this horrible disease in. And it is that one of those, those uh, quite often happens at night, and, and it is a medical emergency. The thing you will see most common, I think that, that, that people, when they call me and tell me this, and I say, okay, you don't have any choice, you get down here as quick as you can. But dogs who are trying to vomit, nothing's coming up. Quite often there is a swelling, usually on the left side, and it is, you know, it is bloat. It is a lot of gas, and then they fill up like a basketball. You don't have to have that basketball appearance or that, that severe uh, stretching of the abdomen to have bloat, but usually you're seeing that. But almost always they're trying to vomit. That's because the stomach now is closed off at both ends because it is twisted and sealed basically, and it is filling up with gas. And it, it the, the the problem here is that it fills up so acutely and puts so much pressure on the organs of the the abdomen that it actually squeezes shut the vena cava, bringing blood back from to the heart. So the aorta can, is able to continue to pump blood because the aorta is a very thick vessel. The vena cava, the vein, taking it back to the heart, gets squeezed off. So no blood is getting back to the heart. These dogs go into shock and die. Mm. And it, again, you do not get much time on this. You've got to get them in and uh, get that stomach decompressed, however we can do that. Uh, sometimes that, that happens easily. Sometimes we can slip a little uh, small enough stomach tube. We can work it through that that. Uh, the upper part of the stomach and get into the stomach and relieve that gas. Once we do that, then we schedule surgery, though. These are always, in my opinion, surgical cases. Yeah. 
Well, that is the scariest situation to be in because, as you know, that happened to Morgan last summer. And it was so scary. And it was exactly like you described. He was trying to throw up and nothing was coming. And it was just – and thankfully – you, I, I couldn't even get back to your office in time. When I talked to you on the phone about it, you had me go directly to the emergency vet that was in between where you and I were located, and you uh-huh. met me there, which was so great. And thankfully, Morgan had a good outcome, but boy, I tell you, I thought I was going to lose him before I got there in my vehicle as I was driving because he was starting to spit up blood before we got there, and it was just yeah. really scary they- and really quick. Yeah, they very quickly go into shock, and it is it's scary for veterinarians too. It is, it is, it is maybe the mother of all emergencies that that, uh, that we see in the dog, and you just don't get much time. I think most dogs do fine with this, and and, and a, a lot of the recent surveys and, and research that's been done shown that that probably 20% of dogs who who actually get to a hospital and get treated still won't make it. So it's it, it is a it is a difficult difficult disease. Some of yeah. the things we talk about about uh, decreasing the risk of bloat is is maybe some canned dog food in the diet, even table scraps. We, and, and, and why that's true, we're not we're not exactly sure, but the correlation seems to be there. I, I tell my owners with big dogs that I think it's best to feed twice a day. I'm not big on once a day feeding, and trying to get them to slow down when they eat. So we think a lot of this is, is rapidly filling the stomach with food and maybe with water also. And then activity after eating is probably something we should try to avoid. And again, the, 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 the real direct, this happens every time. If you do this, that's gonna, you're going to get that. We don't always see that in bloat. There's a lot more questions than answers. But certainly we think that, that uh, slowing down mealtime and giving them some rest time after mealtime before exercise is 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 a, a part of part of a, a good approach, and again, smaller, more frequent meals. Yeah, that's great information, and I know Morgan loves to eat his dinner and then play, and so we've had to stop that so that yeah. he can relax a little bit. That's difficult some dogs, and, and again, I, I think that there's a there is a, a good correlation between active and and maybe overexuberant dogs and and GDV. So so the calmer your dog is, the better chance you have of that not happening. Yeah. But again, that's sometimes something you can't terribly well control. But I think, I think trying to keep them a little bit quiet after meal time and in a slow walk, those kinds of things after meal is fine. But uh, probably running and chasing the ball with a full stomach is not such a good idea. Yeah, well, that's great information, and I know it helped me because that's certainly we. That's what we were doing. Yeah, he was playing and having way big fun after dinner. So now we wait a little while and right. and let him have time to digest his his food. Well, Mert, this has gone by so quickly, and I'm so sorry that we're out of time because I just I'm love- done. You're done for now, but you have I'm to just come back. Warmed up. <laughs> you have to come back. There's so I many other things. I would love to come things. back anytime. There, there's, there are a lot of other things that we can talk about, and I, I'm always happy to talk with you. And uh, and again, uh, anytime you're in the neighborhood, you know you stop in with Whistle because he needs to see me. 
Yes, well, and you know that we're over there regularly. So thank you so much. And we really do want you to come back and visit with us again about some other really important medical and, and wellness type things for our working animals. So thank you so much, our listeners, for being with us. We really appreciate you, and we appreciate your questions and comments, so please feel free to send those in. And you can get more information about Mert and his animal clinic that will be on our website at PetLifeRadio.com, and please click on Working Like Dogs, and you can get more information about Mert. So thank you so much for being with us today, and we look forward to you coming back and us talking about other things that impact our amazing working animals so this is marcy and whistle and thanks so much let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com